Welcome to Once Upon a Dystopia, where we dive into dystopian novels and flesh out the gritty details of the bleak landscape. Then I put myself into the main character's shoes and see if I have the guts slash skills to survive those details and maybe along the way learn some lessons to help us survive if and when the crap hits the fan. Major spoilers ahead. Today's book is Ashfall by Mike Mullen. It's the first book in the Ashfall series and its Goodreads page describes the book as... Under the bubbling hot springs and geysers of Yellowstone National Park is a super volcano. Most people don't know it's there. The caldera is so large that it can only be seen from a plane or satellite. It just could be overdue for an eruption, which would change the landscape and climate of our planet. For Alex, being left alone for the weekend means having the freedom to play computer games and hang out with his friends without hassle from his mother. Then the Yellowstone supervolcano erupts plunging his hometown into a nightmare of darkness, ash, and violence. Alex begins a harrowing trek to search for his family and find help in Darla, a travel partner he meets along the way. Together, they must find the strength and skills to survive and outlast an epic disaster. Before we get deep into this book, I would like to apologize for not uploading last week. I had a hip injury flare-up, which made sitting down to type or record near impossible from the extreme amounts of pain that I was enduring, so I'm sorry, but let's get into it. This book doesn't waste time, and it almost immediately goes into the action. The main things you need to know about this world is Alex lives in Cedar Falls, Iowa, which is a real city in Iowa, and it is about 920 miles from the Yellowstone Caldera. The pictures of the Caldera on Google are really pretty, too. I'd recommend checking it out. There are some papers that have been published in the science community guessing as to what would happen if the volcano would go off. According to some maps, in Iowa, where Alex would be, would only be getting about an inch to four inches of ash. Where I live, it's only a chance of barely an inch of ash. We should get some warning, though, if the real volcano would to go off. Tons of earthquakes around the park, way before it goes off. So no need to worry, yet. Though, if you live within 40 miles of the volcano, you're pretty much gone from the lava. <laughs> and the main issue that would happen, and does happen in the book, is the ash cloud. Alex is trained in Taekwondo. He has a black belt. Alex is left alone for a weekend while his parents and sister go to visit their uncle in Warren, Illinois, which is also a real town. And it's a two and a half hour drive from Cedar Falls. And according to Google, it would take you about 44 hours to walk from Cedar Falls to Warren. Now, the hardships of Alex. Right off the bat almost, Alex gets a huge beating when his house falls down around him. Right before it fell, Alex feels a rumble thinks it's an earthquake, goes to his window to get some light since the power goes out, and then hears a loud crack. Then the house literally falls down on him. His floor tilts, causing him to fall and roll across the room where his desk hits his right shoulder. He is then stuck under the desk and against the corner of the room, and a bookshelf blocks him from getting out. He tries to push the bookshelf, but he has to pull his hand away because it's too hot to touch. He freaks out, imagining himself being burned alive, and works his way out of the heap of the furniture and has to literally smash his head through the ceiling to escape out of the house via the attic. He finds a cut on his hand he didn't notice he was got after he got out. He gets out of the house covered in sweat, smoke, insulation, and plaster dust. Now my take on this situation. First, why does Alex go to the window when he thought it was an earthquake? Why didn't he get in the door frame or under the desk? I know it's Iowa and not known for earthquakes, but I feel like it shouldn't be a known thing that you don't go near any windows during an earthquake. 
Not sure if it would have helped him, though, to be in a different spot of the house, but I would be planting myself in the doorframe. I don't think I had the strength to bust my head through the ceiling, though, but if I knew my only option was that or burn to death, I'm going to be busting my head through whatever I need to bust it through. After Alex escapes his house, he runs to the fire station and brings them back, and then loud explosions start. I personally have watched videos of volcanoes erupting, and there is in fact a very loud shockwave followed by a very loud bang. Those videos are only up close though, and only one bang was heard, so not sure if there would be bangs for hours like there is in the book. Alex is taken in by the neighbors, and a few days later, men barge into the house and attack the neighbors. Alex hides and tries to plan out a way to help them. He roundhouse kicks one of the men. The man falls. Alex follows up with a palm heel strike to the man's neck, knocking him out. One of his neighbors grabs a gun and then just blows the brains out of the invaders. Alex freaks out and runs from the house. Running through the ash was hard and Alex lost his shoe and the ash starts to cut his foot. Uh, side note here, volcano ash is made up of rock, mineral crystals, and glass particles. So it is abrasive. If I watched my neighbor, who was nice enough to take me in, shoot the brains out of the three men in front of me and see all the brains and bloods everywhere, I'm going to be running too. This next part isn't really a hardship. I just wanted to highlight the items he took and how he traveled. Alex runs back to his house and decides to leave for Warren. So he collects items to take with him. He takes two t-shirts, a pair of work boots, six bottles of water, cans of soup, pineapple and baked beans, a manual can opener, all the ham and cheese in his fridge, peanut butter crackers, a spoon, three cases of matches, and some candles, a rain poncho, a plastic drop cloth, and a five-inch mini chef knife. He tries to leave using his bike, but it doesn't make it very far. Remembering his dad's old skis, he grabs the skis, ski boots, poles, and a pair of goggles. He decides he wants to go to his taekwondo gym to grab his competition sword and nunchucks. Note, competition swords seem to be unsharpened, dull, but metal blades. When he gets to the gym, though, it has been ransacked and nothing was there to take, besides a wooden practice sword belonging to his master. He takes it and uses it as a ski pole, then skis into the sunset, more or less. This kind of makes me want to buy some skis, though, just as a in case of. Alex is now on his way. He wears a strip of white cloth over his nose and mouth, and he tries to eat corn from a field, but it's too hard to eat. A note here, there are six kinds of corn grown. Sweet, dent, flint, pod, popcorn, and flour. So it's not the best idea to just try to eat any you find in a field unless you grind it into cornmeal first. He wraps himself in his plastic drop cloth and uses his backpack as a pillow. Running low on water, he comes across a farmstead, feels too bad to break in, and continues going. Runs out of water, finds another farmstead, and when he opens the door, a gun is pointed at him. I feel for this kid. He is young, and I get why he would feel bad for breaking in, but if all you want to do is take some toilet water, break in as nice as you can, and get that toilet water. I want to note that at this point, the ash would be badly in the public water system, it would be clogging it up and making a mess of it. So for the most part, if you were on public water, you would be pretty bad off. So if any major event like this happens, I would immediately fill up your bathtubs in any container that can hold water. And like Alex has already found out, you can drink the fake water. After Alex talks down the man with the gun, he finds a nice old couple in the house. And they ask him how he wants his steak. 
a note on this. I legit thought this was going to turn into some kind of like cannibal situation. Like they were going to make Alex into a steak or plump him up and then eat him. I don't know why I jumped to that, but it was definitely my first thought. Alex stuffs his face and gets some rest. The old man wakes him midnight and sends him off with some more water. Further down the road, he comes across another farmstead, and this one also puts a gun at Alex, so he keeps moving. It starts to get cold. Alex knows it's too cold to sleep in the open, so he looks for shelter, finds a car on the road, and digs out enough to sleep in there. Alex has now been on the road for six days. As he runs out of food, he tries to find a gas station, but there's no food there. He sleeps there and wakes up to a family also looking for food. The dad is desperate for food and comes at Alex, claiming he has food in his backpack. The man closes in on Alex, and Alex is legit twirling his staff above his head, yet the man still comes towards Alex. Alex claims that the staff is moving at 100 miles an hour, and if he hit the man, the man would not be getting back up. Alex hits the metal nearby, trying to scare the man, and the woman with the man yells at him, and the man backs off. I think Alex is way too trusting, as I stated. I legit thought the old folks were going to kill Alex in the middle of the night. I could have easily drugged his steak, and he just went to sleep with no worries. I know Alex hasn't dealt with the worst of the worst yet, but he really should be way more on edge. Maybe that's the pessimistic in me, though. If you want to sleep in the open of the gas station, you should rig something up to warn you of people coming in so you don't have to wave your stick at them to scare them off. Alex comes across a man trying to shave himself at a campfire. The man offers meat in exchange for the shaving. The man tells Alex his name is Target, like the store. Then a tattoo of a target appears on his head after the shave is finished. Alex wants the nope out of there real quick, but Target takes it as a diss, stating, Nobody disses Target. Ask anyone from Anamosa. A note here, Anamosa State Penitentiary is about 24 miles south of Highway 20, which is the highway Alex has been sticking to. The prison is a maximum security, so I can only imagine how well it went there once the volcano erupted. Prisons do not do well in major disasters. Because of prison in New Orleans, it did not do well when Hurricane Katrina happened. Alex tries to flee. Target grabs his staff and pulls his axe and slices at Alex, hitting Alex in the side. Alex then stabs Target with his staff and does a move that sweeps Target off his feet, causing Target to fall into the fire, allowing Alex to escape from Target. Once Alex is far enough away from Target, he checks his wound and describes it as... A huge flap of skin hung loose from the gorge. Blood welled from it, hot and wet along his side. Alex presses a cloth against the wound and ties a t-shirt around his waist, slowing the blood flow. He wanders for a while before finding a barn with people in it and collapses. Just thinking about a flap of skin hanging off of me, I would have passed out right when I saw it. Like, no. I think it was dumb of Alex to even get anywhere close to that fire. He should have stuck to the farmsteads, get over the issue of breaking in, and get water or food from that. Alex was sticking to Highway 20 because that was the way his family always went to his uncles. Alex should have been on the lookout for a map or atlas. The old couple probably had one. Or before leaving Cedar Falls, he could have gone to the library. Last I checked, libraries still had some maps or atlases there. Alex wakes up on a couch in the house and meets Darla, who insults his manhood. Then after Darla washes the wound with water, Alex handled that well, then used bourbon. Alex cried a little bit with that, and then Darla used her pocket knife to raise the skin off the wound, and Alex screamed and passed out. 
Yeah, same, Alex. Thankfully, though, that Darla knows how to do it. I know how to sew, and I guess in desperate times, I maybe could sew myself up. But this does point out that Alex didn't think ahead of being injured and didn't have any first aid on him. This next hardship is very hard, so trigger warning for sexual assault. Darla and Alex head into town to figure out why the rabbits have been getting sick and to find out some information for Alex since he has been with Darla for about three weeks at this point and wants to move on. On their way back, they feel an earthquake and more loud bangs are heard. When Alex and Darla return home, they find Darla's mom at the kitchen table. A man has her head pressed to the table using a baseball bat. She has two black eyes and was bleeding from her nose. The man has his legs between her knees, sexually assaulting her. Alex attacks before the man can get ready to swing the bat. Alex has a knife hand to the man's wrist. The man drops the bat. The man punches Alex in the head. Alex then throws a knife hand to the man's neck, and the man goes down. Alex has killed him. I have two points for this. First, Alex freaks out when his neighbor went full rampage mode and killed the people who invaded their house and threatened their lives, right? And Alex runs away and thinks bad things about his neighbor and thinks the dude was crazy. He can't be trusted, so he can't go back. But... Then when Alex sees what is happening to Darla's mom, he himself goes into rampage mode. Even thinks to himself that he's putting all of his rage behind the attack on the man. So now Alex should understand why the neighbor went full crazy, right? You would think that he now sees that the neighbor was just doing what he needed to do to protect his family and house. Secondly though, this is why I want to point out that Alex, and in this case Darla as well, are too trusting and do not think of the bad stuff that is and can and will happen in this new world they're living in. Especially after Alex is running with Target, you would think he is now aware that there are some bad people out there and that leaving Darla's mom alone to go to town wasn't the best idea. I think I would have either just sent Alex, because like, sorry, but you're just some random kid, in a way are disposable to Darla and her mom, or all three of them should have gone to town. While Alex is freaking out about killing the guy, Target walks into the kitchen. Target trash talks a bit and then puts his, points his gun at Darla. Alex tackles her and he, he is hit in the angle with the shotgun shells. Target aims at them again, but when he pulls the target, nothing happens. Alex uses that opportunity and grabs the shotgun barrel. Target yanks it up, helping Alex to his feet. Alex sidekicks Target in the kidney. Target only backs up a little bit. Target punches Alex in the wound from the axe and Alex screams. There is some back and forth. Alex punches him in the side, then his face. Darla comes up behind Target and tries to hit him with the bat, but misses his head, only hits him with the shoulder. Alex tries the same move on him that killed the other guy, but Target blocks it. Darla tries to hit him with the bat again, but Target grabs the bat. Now Target has a shotgun in one hand and the bat in the other, opening up to a roundhouse kick from Alex. Alex kicks and nails him in the nuts. Target screams and lets go of both weapons. Alex and Darla pick up those and start hitting Target. Target flees. Well, okay, Target is bad news. We already knew that. But this really points out the effed up world and people who have been released into this new ugly world. Halfway through this fight, Alex does remind himself that he is just sparring with Target up to this point. Instead of actually fighting for his life and with his gears. I don't think I would have had this issue. I think I would be fighting for my life from the beginning as soon as that volcano goes off. I'm only going to be fighting for me, my life, and my survival. Alex is young, still has that innocence, so he hasn't been living that way. He's being too nice and too trusting at this point. I'm glad he has changed his thought process, though, but we'll see if that continues.
Darla's mom dies, which throws Darla into a depressive state. She isn't talking, isn't moving on her own, and she's trapped in her mind. When Alex tries to talk to her, she starts beating him up, blaming him for everything, which is kind of his fault. Alex and Darla need to hide as Target said he would be back. They go to hide in the hayloft in the barn. Before heading up, though, Alex takes apart the corn grinding machine and takes the corn, which is a huge rock that grinds the corn, and takes it up to the loft with them. Alex falls asleep, wakes up to the smell of smoke. Target is in the barn catching on fire. He doesn't know they're there. Alex picks up the grindstone and aims for the target tattoo on target's head and lets go of the stone. It hits its target and target goes down. Alex and Darla then have to escape the burning barn only to see that the house is already engulfed. They have lost all of their stuff inside the house. Alex remembers that Target was wearing a backpack. He runs back into the barn, grabs their skis, and then grabs the backpack from Target. Alex, Alex, Alex. What kind of dummy doesn't bring his backpack into hiding with them? Rookie mistake. Honestly, they should have just left as soon as their mom passed. Should have grabbed everything they could and make a run for town. Yeah, that would mean Target would still be out there, but they would have their stuff still. They do get Target's backpack, which has some decent stuff in it. And they go into town afterwards, they spend the night there, and Alex was going to leave Darla there, but she shows up and they go on together. Darla and Alex are skiing along, but get caught up in a whiteout type blizzard. Alex runs into a guardrail and falls into a river, almost drowns, but Darla grabs him. Darla then undresses the almost drowned Alex, readjusts him in layers of the dry clothing they had. She goes out for wood, and Alex starts symptoms of hypothermia. He goes from freezing to too hot, too hot, starts to take his clothes off. Darla comes back, starts a fire, and gets the blankets, gets in the blankets with Alex. Alex's teenage brain jumps to sex thoughts. He falls asleep. Alex and Darla live under the bridge for a few days, waiting out the storm. They build an igloo under the bridge. The description scene of his almost drowning just further gives me fears of drowning. But Darla really pulls her weight here. She pulls Alex out of the water with one arm. She's so strong and then knows what to do to help Alex and risk her life going out to find wood and getting the fire started. She's a very strong female character, probably one of my top 10 female characters, even though she's only a side character. Alex and Darla spend some days skiing, breaking into houses, and falling in love. They decide they have to cross the Mississippi River in Dubuque, Iowa, claiming that the nearest crossing is 50 miles away if they want to go around there since they know riots are happening there. I checked Google Maps and this seems to be correct. There is a crossing 56 miles north and 46 miles south of Dubuque, which is surprising to me. I would think there would be more bridges to cross, especially if there was like a need to shut down a bridge or something. And then maybe people go so far out of their way to go across. They run into a lady on their way who tells them that there are people eating people in Dubuque. So they definitely want to avoid that. Alex and Darla are okay for a while, just making their way to the river. They reach Bellevue, Iowa, where there is a dock gate on the river. And there is a freight boat in the middle of the gate. So this gate is real. I looked at pictures of it on Google. But the only boats that were in the lock on Google were like the little steamboats they do tours with. So it's hard to me to imagine what it would look like, but I did find plenty of pictures of the river in winter, and it looks pretty solidly frozen. And if it's been as cold as Alex has been making it out to be, the river should be frozen in that area, making it easier for them to walk across. But But they climb through the rock, and they find some grain on that boat as well, and then they start heading towards Warren, which only measures about 30 miles from where they cross the gate. 
And before they crossed the gate, they went to a drugstore. And for the first time that I can remember, a dystopian book references a girl's period and how she has been dealing with it. Darla says she's only been using rags till now and wants Alex to look for pads and condoms because, yeah, teenagers. They ski for a bit as they enter this new state and they find a plowed road, which surprises them. They walk down the road, hear a truck. The truck says FEMA on it, and they get on the truck, thinking the truck will take them to Warren. But nope. The truck takes them to the camp at Galen, which is 24 miles from Warren. They're forced into the camp, have to give up all of their stuff, and pretty much are starved to death in this camp. In my opinion, this is another example of them trusting the wrong people. They should have never walked on the road. They were doing just fine on the skis. They should have been avoiding the truck at all costs. They were so close to getting to Warren, and now they're wasting time and maybe losing their lives at this camp. Darla becomes obsessed with this bulldozer that's outside the camp. She works her charm to get access to said bulldozer. She's rewarded with more food than Alex. Alex becomes jealous and hits the leader of the camp when he suggests to Darla that she can work in the officer's tent at night to make some extra rations. Alex is sent to the punishment hut, which sounds just like a doghouse for people, and they plan on starving Alex to death, more or less. Darla steals the bulldozer, destroys the hut Alex is in, and they go on a rampage, destroying the fence and some buildings in the camp. Darla drives the bulldozer away from the camp. The soldiers come after them. Darla pushes the bulldozer over a steep hill in the forest. They get out and run, losing the soldiers. Here's an, a good case of a teenage boy not seeing the big picture and uses violence that gained him in trouble and further ruining big picture and further putting more stress on the strong female side character who is just trying to get their asses out of this freaking camp. I would love a book just on Darla's perspective of everything. I know there is technically a prequel to this series about Darla's story, but I would love it if it was just like Darla all the time. They finally make it to Warren, only to find out that Alex's mom and dad went out to look for Alex. Alex makes a plan that if they don't return by spring, he'll go find them. Nothing much happens after this. Alex and Darla have sex. Alex's uncle badly breaks his leg. Darla and Alex have to shave their heads due to lice. Everyone in town is getting scurvy from vitamin C deficiency. To combat that, you need to eat leafy greens, such as kale or a citrus fruit, such as oranges. Alex's uncle is growing a lot of kale in the garden, so in return for helping with the leg, they trade some kale and basically start a contract with the pork warehouse in town, trading one pound of kale for ten pounds of pork. And that's about it. Alright, skills to learn and books that you should find or invest in and things you'll need to help you in this journey. Skill-wise, I'm going to try to stick to skills that you can't really learn from books because books should be easy to come by, I think. So hand-to-hand -hand combat, learning how to shoot, and maybe learning how to ski. Books to acquire or find afterwards. Basic gardening. Maps. I went to my library yesterday and checked. They do have map skills. And they had my state map and atlases as well. Books about building basic farm equipment, something along the lines of building a grinder for materials you have at home. Basic first aid. They could have fixed their uncle's leg themselves if they knew how and didn't have to waste time waiting on the doctor, though I guess then they wouldn't have the pork, but still. A book on surviving in the wilderness or living off the grid since no one had water or gas. Car upkeep and or big rig upkeep or farm equipment upkeep. Animal wellness. 
books on basic slaughtering. Yes, those do exist. I found a few on Amazon. And books on building a greenhouse. Now, things that would have helped you on this trip. Tarps, containers for water, pans to heat said water, waterproof matches, extra clothing, including some winter wear, such as mittens or gloves, skis, ski boots, ski goggles, bicycle for the corn grinder, the giant stones for the grinder. They use gravestones once they got to Warren, so maybe just hold off and take some if you live near one. Easily reached weapons on your body. First aid supplies, including needle, needle and thread, blankets, backpack or those big hiking backpacks, rope and or wire, candles, but you can use like crowns as well. They light a can opener. If you're a period haver, bring what you need for that and plenty of it. A camp stove, a rain poncho, non-perishable food, but think light things, maybe not too many canned goods. And remember something for the vitamin C. So cereal, kale, oranges. Lastly, bring things you would need, you could stand to lose for trading. And if there is more than one of you, split the items equally between your two backpacks. Never give someone all of something. No one should have all the food or all the first aid stuff in their bag in case you lose the bag or the person with the bag. Now, how I survive, or hope to anyways. I'm going to go off where I live now since this volcano is real and can be a real thing to happen. I live in Indiana, and looking at most of the charts that show ashfall from previous times the volcano went off and their projected ashfall, if it were to go off again, my area is only getting about an inch of ash. So not something that is going to wildly mess up as much at first. I live near a major city right now though, so there is plenty of stores and houses near me. But knowing how big cities can be during this tricky disaster, they could turn into a riding cannibals like the book said, or fear will overtake some and they'll stay inside out of fear. But I'm leaning more towards the riots, so my plan would be to take what I can from my house and get to where I grew up, which is about 45 miles from where I am now. I would leave the minute I heard news of the volcano going off. And in the book, they never really addressed how news was being sent around. They had some radio stations working, but that wasn't until they got far enough east. This book was written in 2011, though, so technology has advanced some. And with social media, I think you'd find out about the volcano pretty quickly. And knowing how bad the ash would be on cars and animals, which I have two dogs, I'd be loading up and leaving within an hour of hearing the news. So hopefully I get close to where I want to be before the ash becomes an issue. Where I live is about 1,200 miles from Yellowstone, so it should be okay. In the area I'll be heading to, there is tons of corn and soybean farms and cow pastures and pig farms. Darla had a solid plan with grinding corn. I'm hoping it goes off before harvest season, though, otherwise there's no corn. Definitely will be building a greenhouse where I'm at and growing kale. If you can stand eating green chili peppers, they have 121% of your daily needs of vitamin C. Other good vitamin C fruits is guava, which has 140% of your daily value. Yellow sweet peppers, 152%. Kale has 89% uncooked. Lemons, 92%. And oranges, 78%. Luckily, a library just opened up basically in the neighborhood I used to live in. So I can read from that the books, is books on learning how to live off the land and build things to help me out. I just start my homestead living and bunker down and hope for the best. It shouldn't be too bad. The winters would be horrible, but you know it's coming. So we need to be out all day cutting wood when you can. If worse comes to worst, I do have a parent living on the eastern coast, like on the ocean. So I would probably try to get there if the worst came to worst. But 
for the most part, I think where I live would be okay overall. Well, that is it for Ashfall by Mike Mullen. We will revisit Alex and Darla in book two, Ashton Winter, next month. The next episode, we will be discussing The Warehouse by Rob Hart. Thank you for listening and happy reading.